Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, White Sox fans, Brett Valentini here, hosting the Southside Sox podcast. It's number 26, and we got Phoenix in the house for the first time in about a year, and I believe the first time on the, an actual Southside Sox podcast, not a Southside hip pen. It's Sean Williams joining us from Arizona. Somehow it seems like uh, it hasn't been a year, and boy, we had a weird baseball season in between the last time we were talking on a weekly basis until last year, Sean, it just dead stopped. And it's like I lost your number and I didn't want to hang with you anymore because we just never talked again, which was wrong and shouldn't ever have happened. But you're back. Uh, again, Phoenix in the house. Welcome. It's really great to have you. Thank you. Feels good to be back. And I think we can both agree that a lot has changed <laughs> since the last time we've talked. But you know what? If It feels good to have some baseball back. Feels good to be back on here. And, and I'm excited to have this conversation with you. We are going to be getting to a lot of stuff, including a tactile experience of actually going to a baseball game. We're going to save that for the second half. And we're going to talk, first off, because what else can we talk about, really? Thank God there's no DUIs or other weird uh, in-the-media nonsense to lead off with or have dominate a podcast for once. We are well into spring training. Uh, and even though it's early and everybody's going to caution us, don't panic at the fact that the White Sox haven't exactly gotten out of the gate gangbusters. There's a lot of line scores that look real real nice for players. Uh, and I think by and large, we're seeing a lot of what we want to see from guys. So just from a standpoint of sort of following along these first uh, eight, nine, whatever it's been games, uh, maybe guys, let's start positive. Maybe guys have jumped out at you, Sean, that have sort of confirmed what you're hoping for and exceeded hopes. Uh, you know, just guys you're sort of earmarking as, hey, they've really, they're earning their spot on the team. 
Sure. So kind of the first thing that comes to my mind in terms of people who are just like looking good and I'm thinking like physically too is uh, Yohan Moncada. Obviously we know everything that he went through last year just with having COVID and not really being himself. He's He's been hitting the ball pretty well. Um, but the number one thing I noticed with him is it looks like he's running well. He's swiped a bag, you know, the other day or week, whenever it was, and kind of running good out of the box. So you definitely love to see that. I think that's been really encouraging. Um, other people, you kind of touched on it and nailed it too. Other people that you expect to be good that have been doing good is Lucas Giolito. Um, he's obviously taken over as the ace of the staff, and he looks every bit the part of it this spring so far, just – you know, kind of coming out and just dominating other teams. So that's that's definitely been nice to see as well. Um, Adam Eaton, he's looked pretty good. He's been getting on base quite a bit, and uh, he's he's grabbed a couple of hits so far. So pretty excited about that. Um, you got guys like Garrett Crochet, who just recently made his Cactus League debut, and he had a clean inning. So happy with that. And, you know, obviously he's going to be a part of the team at the start of the season. So definitely going to keep an eye on him and, and continue to see how he's doing. And um, Tim Anderson, he, he started out pretty hot. He's slowing down a little bit, but he, he looks like himself. One of those guys that you don't really get too worried about or, you know, try not to get sucked into the stats too much, especially with spring training. Um, Jose Abreu, kind of similar to TA where he, he, his first game, he did really well and he slowed down a little bit, but you know, he's, he's a vet. He he'll be fine. Um, he's, you just got to get a little bit of work in. doesn't matter how he does, you know. We expect him to come in and do well. So just kind of off the top of my head, those are some of the guys that have well, stuck out so far. I know there's probably a lot more, but and we can talk about it all day, but, you know. You know, the big relief with Jose, I think, is, you know, of course, him having apparently, uh, unknowingly, I guess, uh, contracted um, mm-hmm. the virus, in, you know, I believe they're tracing him back to January, and thankfully mild enough that he doesn't even have a similar situation as Yohan did, um, I guess not quite a year ago, but half a year, nine months ago, uh, coming in, having lost his sense of uh, smell. I mean, he's, yeah. he's, it sounds like as mild as can be. And by the time he was tested, there are already antibodies in his system, which says his body was fighting it. So really fingers crossed on, a, of course, a ton of levels there. But, you know, in the most practical sense, just what he can do for the team on the field. Uh, that yeah, you're right. Any any slow start there isn't because oh geez, he, you know he's even slower out of the box, you know now <laughs> uh, because you know he's having to fight this. Uh, you know, Yohan uh, perhaps <laughs> with the chip on his shoulder from last year, even yeah. diving diving over the uh, tarp to make yeah. a catch. Uh, I think it was just yesterday in a yep. game. Uh, and you know, listen, um, you know this is what we really need to see from this guy because I don't think anybody. Well, I guess a lot of people might question who the true most valuable player of this team is and if someone is fulfilling their top potential whether I guess maybe Luis Robert would be the other guy you'd have to have in that conversation but I still think until Luis maybe even does a little bit more Yohan really is the guy who's sort of like the team MVP to lose and the fact that he could even do what he did last year really put up war numbers that were not really bad at all despite the Mm -hmm. fact that guy was clearly laboring and frustrated you know mentally frustrated with that fact the fact that he still put up numbers are like, yeah, okay. I mean, my God, like 75% of God is pretty darn good. Yeah, and the thing is, too, like obviously, you know, the White Sox made the playoffs last year. It was an exciting year. It felt like the team is finally starting to turn the corner. But aside from, like, pitching questions, the big question mark from the team last year was, like, imagine what they could have been had Yohan Mankata been, you know, more of himself. And, and it seems like 
he's finally feeling like himself again, playing like the player everyone saw a couple of years ago and hopes he, he will be for the foreseeable future. So, you know, you got you to gotta love that, seeing him. And I know vocally he said, like, I, I feel like myself again. I'm ready to go. You know, let's get this thing rolling. And it's early. And, of course, you don't want to make too much of the good or the bad of the numbers when we're talking about basically a week, week and change of a spring training season. But at the same time, you know, decisions do get made. Yeah, it's not just one cut at the end of the month. Um, and there are some guys, particularly I want to think, I want to say maybe in the bullpen who are up with the, the big club. And it's no small feat to be pitching with the big club at this point. And, and this year, a unique year where basically it is essentially Charlotte and Chicago in spring training and everybody else having to wait. So if you're playing for the White Sox, maybe with the exception of, say, a Carlos Perez, you just need that extra catcher in there pretty much anybody there is is there on to whatever degree of merits and would technically be fighting for a spot on the club. Uh, and that said, early on, while there have been some very impressive performances, particularly out of the pen, there have been some guys like Zach Birdie's really jumping out, had, had another really rough outing today. Um, Tyler Johnson, Jose Ruiz, these guys all seem to be struggling early. And when you look at the fact that if, it's true that Michael Kopech and Garrett Crochet are in the major league bullpen to begin the season. I'm not even sure if there's room for any of these guys in the first place. So they're dealing with a margin of error. There might be maybe one saw at the very end of the bullpen to make uh, this can't be helping their causes when even just two, three outings are starting this flat. Yeah. It's, it's really tough to be fighting for a spot in the White Sox bullpen right now, especially like you said, knowing Garrett Crochet is going to be there and, and Michael Kopech too. Um, there weren't that many spots before then, especially when you factor in that they did add Liam Hendricks too. So these guys really got to go out there and, and they got to figure out a way to separate themselves. Maybe they're feeling a little bit of pressure because of it or, or you know, kind of feeling a little bit of, like not like themselves or, you know, maybe it's still just a little bit too early for them and they're not really settled in, but the early returns on some of those guys in the bullpen have have been pretty tough. And I know you talked about birdie specifically. It's he came up last year. He looked okay. You know, obviously you don't expect a whole lot from a guy with no major league experience to get the call, come up and, and, you know, be like a lockdown guy. But you know, there was, there was flashes there. Stuff looked pretty good, but it just seems like he's, he's struggling to throw strikes. Tyler Johnson, he was getting roughed up. He struggled to throw strikes another outing. It's just you don't like what you've seen so far, and, and unfortunately for these guys, their back was kind of against the wall before they even stepped foot on the mound just with everything that kind of developed before then. I should have every performance in spring training so far memorized. I admit I don't, so please nobody bust me if somehow I'm forgetting someone's appearance, but – Starting rotation-wise, which I don't think anybody would doubt, was a true concern going to the season, still is, uh, because we have three very legitimate starters, uh, three, you know, as you'd say, a playoff rotation of starters, and I don't think that's in dispute at all. And Rick Hahn acquiring Lance Lynn as your third guy, that ain't bad. But there's the matter of the number four and the number five. Now, the good news is Renato Lopez – made everybody breathe a sigh of relief. Uh, I think he threw two innings um, yesterday, perhaps. Uh, really strong outing. I don't think Dylan Cease and Ro- uh, Carlos Rodon have thrown yet. Uh, I could be wrong. but uh, I don't think Lo- they have either. Lopez at least has had the most recent good outing. Now, how secure are you as we're getting into spring training that apparently two of those 
two of three of those guys are going to fill out the rotation, even though the fifth spot, you know, is, is, you know, a little bit more malleable. Um, uh, you, you think uh, Ethan Katz uh, can fix Ronaldo Lopez. Uh, we have already heard about how he's worked with the lower body of Carlos Rodon to uh, apparently, I guess, <laughs> on the fly or since his hire to, well, I guess it wasn't since his hire because Rodon wasn't on the team. He was off hoping he was going to get some 10,000, uh, $10 million offer. But um, in the limited time to get the stuff together, uh, how confident are you that two of those three guys can fill out the rotation in the way the White Sox need them to? Because if we're talking about challenging for an AL pennant, uh, certainly even just challenging for a division, challenging for a playoff spot, given the playoffs have now, contracted again uh how confident are you on those uh four and five i guess so far so good yeah so far so good i i would say i feel i guess the best way to describe it is okay the there's a little bit of depth it's not terrible you would like to see a little bit more but there's been a lot of positive reports about ethan katz and and the work he's doing with these White Sox pitchers since they got together for spring training. And even I believe he was working with them before then when he got hired, um, which was a little while before. So, you know, like we were just talking about guys like Dylan Cease and Carlos Rodon haven't thrown yet this spring. You know, I, I would like to see them throw a little bit and see what kind of adjustments they've made on the field before I can feel a little bit better about the rotation. But I mean, one to three, that's, that's pretty damn good. We just got to see that, you know, aside from that, it's kind of a big gigantic question mark, but Hey, they, the one thing I will say is they, they have one of the best bullpens in, in the MLB. So if your starting depth isn't great, you just got to hope you can get, you know, serviceable outings from them and let the bullpen take over. So at least we got that going for us. That seems like it should be more of a sure thing. Yeah, uh, and and listen, it's tempting to take a break before we get into this last topic of the first half of the show because this one is a rabbit hole we could fall into and knock it out, but it does dovetail with your first piece in a while for us um, coming out of some uh, um, in, intensive uh, spring training study you did. Uh, circling uh, Zach Collins, obviously uh, one of the only real battles, especially with Andrew Vaughn doing as well as he is, and essentially saying, yeah, sure, <laughs> I've been the TH all along. I don't know what you guys are thinking. Uh, but is uh, a backup catcher. Obviously, is Monty Grandal is paid as a guy who's going to be expected to take minimum like 120 games, um, probably wants to take 158. Um, a guy who's going to be in the lineup close to every day, even if it is um, DH or maybe a little bit of first base work. Uh, but you still need a number two. You need number two for for uh, late sub for for injury, which you know the way he pushes himself. Uh, chances are he's going to need a, a blow for you know a week at some point during the season. And the battle, I guess, it, it seemed like it was early on conceded to Zach Collins because it's like when's a guy finally going to get his chance? And Zach Collins is is who you've um, centered on uh, to write in the piece that's up on the front page uh, here, along with this podcast this morning. Um, so I guess let's talk a little bit about what Zach Collins' opportunity is, whether he's going to take advantage of it, and whether or not I sort of thought it was, I mean, I won't say a silly thing, but a very token signing to pull in Jonathan LaCroix uh, on a minor league deal. But, you know, early on it seems like he's acquitted himself okay. I think in the in the field behind the plate he's he's been a little odd. 
but you know he's hitting. He's a guy who's obviously been there. So does that just throw an extra wrench into things when you've got your mean Mercedes chomping at the bit? Sebi Zavala's out there somewhere saying, man, hey, I can throw. Uh, Zach Collins is like, hold on. I was a first-round pick. Isn't this just mine? I've been waiting. Um, how do you think it's going to wrangle out? I guess with, with a specific focus on, on Zach. But, I mean, how do you think this or this early, how do you think it's going to wrangle yeah. out? So we we talked about people that, you know, we've been impressed with this spring so far. And, you know, I totally – I wrote about him, but I totally forgot to talk about him. Zach Collins is someone that is – one of the better players this spring for the White Sox. He's been hitting the ball well. Granted, it's an extremely small sample size, but, you know, he only has one strikeout to date, and that's something you like to see from him because there is a lot of swing and miss in his game. Um, he's he's walking, which is normal for him. We always expect at least, you know, one Zach Collins walk whenever he's in the lineup, but he's been hitting the ball well. Um, he got a hit the other day off German Marquez from the Rockies, who's their best pitcher, and Granted, Zach does have some MLB experience. You wouldn't expect him to completely be buried against someone like that. But seeing him rip, you know, a sharp single off of him was impressive. And um, just even outside of how he's doing offensively, he's making adjustments defensively too. He's going down on one knee when he's receiving the ball. And he talked about that a little bit where he says he's, you know, he's like seeing it better. He's receiving it better. And um, throwing feels fine with it. And, and he said something along the lines of like, so far it's been like all positive feedback about the new stance. So you got to give the guy a lot of credit. He's working hard and really trying to improve um, and, and trying to earn that backup catcher spot. But in terms of his chances, I, I think it's pretty slim. Um, he's like I said, he's been doing very well this spring, but at the same time, so is Jonathan LaCroix. He's going for the Cactus League batting title apparently. <laughs> yes. Um and and just kind of going off of that, Jonathan LaCroix, he's a guy that's been around. He's a veteran. He's been in the league quite a bit of time. The White Sox, they're a young, up-and-coming team. So I think just having his presence around and having someone that's been around the league, you know, been around a couple winning teams, I think is incredibly valuable to a team like the White Sox. And I think when factoring that in with um, roster spots and stuff, I think he definitely has an edge there. And Zach Collins is still young. You know, he's still developing. He's far from a finished product. He just – he needs to be put in a situation where he can play a lot more frequently than he would had he if he breaks camp with a major league team. It's just hard to kind of find a spot for him to play, especially like you said with Yasmani Grandal is going to take up, you know, 85 to 90% of the work. Well, I guess then here's the question, and this is something that – maybe was overlooked because at the time we didn't know there wasn't going to be a first month of a triple a AAA season. And so in retrospect, what seemed very confusing to me to just immediately, like on March 1st, have Tony Russo say, Oh yeah, crochet and, and Kopech, they're not starting in the minors and, and going to stretch out They're in the bullpen seemed odd, uh, isolated there. But then once you find out just a few days later, Oh, well, after all, we're not, we're not going to ha- we're not going to start the season at the same time as the major leagues makes sense. As you're saying, uh, Zach Collins getting a chance to play. Problem is, for first month, if he's not on this roster, or even frankly, even if he is on the roster, he's not going to get a chance to play. He's going to get reps, and I know the 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 uh, the black box site in in Schaumburg is you know obviously those those reps are important, certainly arguably more important than just riding the pine and you know observing the game at the big league level. Um, in, in I guess in a different way. Uh, but does that make this decision to maybe go with three catchers or to not have him be the backup? Is that just more delay like in his potential development time or does it delay the White Sox finding out what they have with him? Or do you think they already know and it's sort of like, well, 
we don't have anybody else. So he's sort of number two, two a or three on our depth chart. So that's just what it is. Yeah. I think it's kind of talking about the three catcher thing. I think it's kind of hard to justify them keeping three catchers. Um, And with Zach, honestly, at this point, it just kind of seems like they feel like they know what they have in him. And um, because it's just, you know, he, he came up, you know, two years ago. And even then when there, when there wasn't a Yasmani Grandal, he really didn't play a whole lot. And he, he got a little bit of time. He did okay. But, you know, then he obviously struggled too. And it's just kind of always been like a, a back and forth, a back and forth with him between the majors and the minors. And, um, the triple A season being delayed is unfortunate too, because like you were saying, you know, he's, he should be playing every day, no matter, or close to every day, no matter where he goes. But now it's kind of like, okay, I don't really have a route to do that at the major league level. And now triple A is being delayed. So it's like, what do you really do at this point? And I think the only option or not, I shouldn't say the only option, but the best option would just be doing another alter, alternate site with him until triple A gets underway. That way he can get reps. He can work on his development and, you know, maybe, maybe he's a surprise and he forces his way into some playing time or, you know, maybe they, they're like, Hey, let's go, let's go get you into a better situation. We can, we can send you somewhere where you can play more and, and you could that way you can continue your development, but it's just, it's hard to see that happening here. And, and it's hard to see kind of like a full on development plan, you know, kind of happening with him at the major league level at this point. Yeah. And I guess unlike one advantage perhaps to having to continue to perform, not that you shouldn't expect to have to do that, to not to have to continue to perform when you're going to a black box site where there's not any games or not really stats. I mean, there's reps, there's coaches saying, yeah, this guy's lost it or, or he's, he's on his game, is that he knows if he is assigned to Schaumburg coming out of the season that he is the guy who's going to come up if uh, Yasmani gets a hangnail or, you know, LaCroix gets bowled over again, you know, without having to perform, he pretty, I think he pretty much knows, unless he just really uh, completely boosts this, uh, this spring training, that he's going to be the guy that's going to get that call when needed. Even if it's just, he's probably, he might, he'll probably be the guy who's going to be, I believe they still probably are having some form of taxi squad. I don't know if it's the full taxi squad last year, but if they are, he'd be a third catcher that would be going on road trips under those circumstances. Um, so, I mean, that that's you know that's sort of a, a bridesmaid situation but given that he can't exactly make his situation and and again if LaCroix is going for the Cactus League batting title he's in trouble you know his his uh his sort of preordained number two status um yeah it is in some jeopardy and and LaCroix is a guy you probably want to have on this team if he can prove Ah, you know, he's been able to shake off uh, any cobwebs that have really lingered and hampered him, taking him from a guy who was arguably on a Hall of Fame track to a guy who's sort of really basically played his way out of the league. I mean, he's sort of like making a last grasp at a rung here. Uh, but, you know, if you can turn that around enough, that's a, that's a pretty enormous um, coup for the White Sox if, if, if he performing, let's just call it, you know, in a McCann range as your backup, as a guy who's not going to necessarily have the same demands as a James McCann you know, might have been a, being a younger guy. So uh, hopefully it's a no-lose situation for the White Sox at catcher. But given that Zach is a guy you've, you've taken on you know, for the piece today, uh, I figured that we needed to give it some uh, some legit attention. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, all things considered, I think the Sox are in a pretty good situation at catcher. We got Yasmani Grandal for a couple of years. And barring anything unfortunate happening, he's going to be the catcher majority of the time. So there's a lot worse problems to have than that. And I'm glad we can 
debate the backup catcher and instead of debating, oh, who should be the starter, you know? Yeah. It does sort of make me worried after a few more years what's going to happen, but I guess we have time to worry about that. No, no need to hand drink quite yet. But let's jump into our very short break because we have very – actually, we're burying all the leads here in our second half because we've got some exciting – site developments and some exciting personal developments for, for Sean and also some practical discussion coming up about uh, baseball games in general. We're going to get to that right here in the second half. Again, if you're watching us, if you are among the very proud uh, and, the, and the lovely half dozen watching, uh, just briefly shut your eyes to get very brief snooze. Otherwise, if you're listening to the podcast, please pay attention to these commercial announcements. Go ahead solicit these folks i could be fantasy baseball could be vegan hair color uh i don't know it could be a snack cake i don't really know what's going to play but i'm sure it's going to be very enticing feel free to get in there and, and make your purchase we'll be back in just a second i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, White Sox fans, it is the second half of Southside Sox podcast, number 26, and I am delighted to have, straight out of Phoenix, it's Sean Williams. His most recent piece, and his first piece in a while on site, uh, is on Zach Collins. You can read that, even maybe as you're listening to this podcast, please do, because it's a great piece. Uh, but we're going to leave Zach and the catcher situation behind, and we're going to get into um, I don't know, uh, you know, a whole different realm of talk here because we've got some great, uh, some actually pretty exciting, somewhat surprising news. And it's really great to be able to, not that we ever hesitate to give kudos to the White Sox, but I have to say super big appreciation of the White Sox because they are allowing us to do some coverage uh, in uh, at Camelback Ranch. And I don't know, I can't really think of who I could have covering there, maybe shooting some photographs, who we have on site. Oh, hold on, wait. It's Sean Williams who's going to be doing some photography for us, which the White Sox have been gracious enough to give us some access to. I believe hopefully you're going to be able to grab uh, three weekend games and, and do some of maybe your first uh, maybe legit uh, photo pit uh, shooting. Yeah, I'm super excited about the opportunity. So definitely got to give the White Sox a shout out for letting me do something like that. But yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's definitely my first, you know, kind of real – photo pit shot here. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what I can do and, and what I can put together and obviously providing a lot of great content for our site too. So it's going to be all good things. Um, looking forward to it and kind of itching to get back out there. And I'm just glad that, you know, I'm, I'm even able to get back out there, you know, obviously everything that happened last year and, and stuff like that. So just, it's, 
it feels good to be back out there. And obviously this news just kind of makes everything so much better. So I'm really looking forward to it. And let's make it clear. I don't want to mislead him by Sean isn't he, he's not a hobo with like a disposable camera here, man. This guy is legit. And, and what's great is, you know, I'm sure your, your work has been seen, uh, you know, by the White Sox themselves. They don't really have coverage. I mean, they got Ron Vesely, who's, who's, you know, terrific, of course. He's, you know, mm-hmm. covering the major league teams, doing everything. And of course, they've got some people, I imagine they contract to get some shots. I imagine when Luis Roberts in Birmingham, they're going to be like, hey, Birmingham, find somebody to shoot this guy. We mm-hmm. need some stuff. But really, surprisingly, there can be a real dearth of content. Um, you know, at, you know, even these legit major uh, affiliates, of course, Laura Wolf does a great job uh, in Charlotte. So that mm-hmm. notwithstanding, but smaller major uh, minors and uh, certainly out in Arizona, you don't necessarily get a crunch of that kind of coverage. And the fact that you from the, from the stands uh, just attending games and being able to get the kind of great stuff that we're running almost on a daily basis. Now that we're doing our prospect uh, rundown and countdown, um, you know, it speaks to your ability to sort of, make good out of something that, you know, isn't necessarily ideal. It's not, you know, you're not getting to go wherever you want in the park. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe talk a little bit, Sean, about the, you know, the challenge of doing that. I know sometimes there's like, you know, there might be like 50 other people around or maybe, maybe fewer, but you know, it, it's still a bit of a challenge to, uh, Pit me and you just walking in with a camera. Okay, your camera's much better than mine. But I mean, we're both we both got seats in the park, and you know you're going to come up with something that's great enough to to run on a SB Nation site as lead art, and and mine is um, going to be you know patted on the head and said, okay, well, we'll try again next time. So what's the experience like? You know, uh, you know, pre photo pass type of experience. Sure. So with the Arizona Rookie League, it's actually it's very easy. I will say that to kind of shoot and get pictures there. Um, that league is hardly covered, you know, it's all backfields league. So just, it's free to attend. Um, so even just going to the games, you're literally right up there watching people you're within feet of them. So fortunately for me, that's, that situation is very, very easy to, you know, get in there, get as much video and pictures as I want, kind of uninterrupted type thing. So I'm fortunate for that with, um, I also do the Arizona Fall League that was canceled last year as well. So it's been a little bit, a little while since I've been there. That one is inside the spring training stadium. So that one's a little more formal and stuff. Um, and you just kind of, over time, you kind of learn without a photo pass different areas where you can get a good shot, you know, someone batting or someone pitching. And you kind of just sit there and, and you shoot for a couple innings. So that's generally what I do. And that's kind of similar to what I do at spring training too. Right. It's kind of float around, find a little window where I can say, all right, I can sit up here. I'm not blocking anyone. Cause I don't, I personally try to think of other people while I'm doing stuff like that too. I'm like, right. I don't want to block your view. I don't want to be like a burden on you. So let <laughs> right. me find a little area where I can, you know, shoot, not bother anyone. So it's just kind of, it's a lot of trial and error. I'll say that you, you, you learn pretty quickly, okay, this works, or okay, this doesn't work, or, you know, uh, maybe I'll just hang out here because there's certain people you want to shoot, and you're like, okay, let me let me go get a lot of pictures of them. So just kind of, it's honestly, for me, it's all been moving around, trying a bunch of different things, seeing what works, what doesn't work, and then kind of sticking with what works and figuring out, okay, this works good, but how can I make it better? Right. Well, and there, and there seems to be sort of a free verse poetry aspect to it as well. I mean, uh, Kim Contreras does it uh, down in Arizona um, in, in the same facilities you do. Uh, Tiffany Wentz does it for us in Kannapolis, and she's gone to other uh, White Sox affiliates to, to shoot in a similar sort of guerrilla fashion, but particularly with 
uh, Camelback, uh, some of the stuff, you know, that you end up coming up with, and I'll say the same from what I see from um, Kim Contreras as well, is, you know, I imagine there's some happy accidents. Uh, I know that she, I think, in particular, like, oh, I'm sure you do as well, sort of have guys that you want to be able to, uh, to get or you're just interested in seeing. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, as long as I'm here, I'm going to shoot. And, I mean, you end up getting the interesting shots of guys just even walking out or walking back from the fields, uh, some of the drills uh, type of stuff. And it, it's sort of probably fun going in knowing, okay, I know I'm going to shoot some stuff. And I know it's not all going to work, but it's all not going to be junk either. So I wonder what I'm going to come up with, what I'm going to come up, uh, you know, away with each day I go yeah, absolutely. And there, so the way like I kind of do it is, you know, obviously I go in there, shoot some pictures. I obviously have an idea of, okay, like what I want to shoot or like people specifically that I want to get pictures of. Um, and then just kind of go from there and then just mess around, you know, just kind of go shoot random things. And there'll be like moments where I'll shoot pictures and then I'll briefly look at them on my camera. I'll just be like, okay, looks good, looks good, looks good. But then for the most part, I just kind of take a look at them and you know, go through them when I get home and I'll like shoot random things and I'll be like, Oh my God, this is like one of the best (laughs) pictures I've taken today. And I didn't even like necessarily plan on taking it or want to take a picture like this. So there's definitely a lot of random, random things that come up and and, like a lot of like, I don't know, like I'd say like diamonds that you find that you didn't necessarily plan for. So that's kind of the whole fun of it is you you go in there and you have an idea of what you want to do, but then you leave and you end up doing, you know, a whole bunch of different stuff or, you know, something comes up where you're like, oh, this is perfect. And you just get stuff that you necessarily didn't plan for. Well, first game you're shooting for us, I believe, is Saturday. So that's going to be cool. We're going to be excited to see what you come up with. I'm sure the experience is going to be um, something fun and new. And we'll have to have you on to talk about that. I know we've got a few games coming up from you, but one here at the end of the week. And, you know, White Sox, I know you've assigned somebody to, like, listen to all this stuff and to gather content from everywhere. And, by the way, I would love to have that job. Uh, but, you know, as long as you're listening, hey, hopefully this builds well for more coverage, uh, whether it's uh, helping us out with uh, coverage that we do of the, the minor leagues or maybe even when appropriate, perhaps when, say, I don't know, Pittsburgh's in town. It doesn't have to be, you know, the Yankees. Uh, maybe we can even uh, steal over to the, the ballpark and, and do a little coverage again, whether it's Clinton Cole doing some photos or who knows, maybe even occasionally have a writer there. So, you know, Sox, put my request in. We're going to continue to negotiate this, but I'm happy that uh, – We've been able to forge an agreement for the first time and do some uh, some legit coverage under the uh, SB Nation banner. And uh, it's going to be fun to hear about how that works out for you, Sean. Let's transition a little bit into, I guess we can broaden this to not just the awesome personal news for Sean and the site, but the broader news for fans, which is that as soon as March, uh, April 8th, which is the home opener uh, at Saks Park, uh, there's going to be fans. We're going to have up to 20% capacity, which is 8,000 some change. Sean, as a fan, just this last Sunday, you attended your first game in quite a while. Uh, and you did it, I believe, with your dad. Um, so just let's step aside. I know it's not going to be a parallel situation in the least. And the Arizona situation with the uh, pandemic is a little bit different than Chicago, which is why Chicago seems to be sort of, I'm still nervous, but welcoming fans back with, with I guess, muted opened arms. Uh, but step us through what the process was, what was different, uh, you know, how comfortable you felt, uh, you know, how, how safe you felt there uh, at the game. Sure. So it was, it was interesting. So the way um, Camelback Ranch in normal times works is fans are allowed to bring in bags, you know, they can, they can bring in bags. I think they can bring in clear bags or backpacks, stuff like that. 
absolutely none are allowed this year. Camper, um, you could usually bring in uh, unopened bottles of water. I think it was two per people or per person in the past. And you could also bring in like a gallon Ziploc bag of food, literally whatever you could fit into a gallon Ziploc bag. I'm sure some people got creative. I never really did that, but um, you can't do that. You can bring in one bottle of water. So they are still letting you um, bring in a little bit of water, which saves some people some money. Um, concession wise, they don't take cash anymore. At least they advertise that they don't take cash anymore. I thought I did see someone paying with cash um, when I was there on Sunday, but they're, they're pushing for the cashless payments and um, they don't have any vendors walking up and down the aisles. Um, there's like stickers all across the stadium for social distancing when you're walking and they have, um, signs outside of bathrooms saying like, enter on this side and exit on this side, just trying to keep people away from one another and, um, toilets and urinals, they're all blocked off every other. So spacing people out like that still, um, in terms of actual seating and, and being there watching a game. I did feel safe. Um, it was definitely, it was exciting. I was really glad to be able to watch baseball in person again. Um, but it was still kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> there, it felt like there was a lot of fans there. Uh, but at the same time, I also, you know, have sat around and watched empty stadiums. So maybe it was just me being like, Oh my gosh, this doesn't feel real type of thing. But Usually with spring training, you can buy individual tickets, no problem. They're not doing that anymore. You can only buy them in, I think it's twos, threes, and fours, maybe more. Um, But I think as far as I've seen, four is the max. And uh, for example, so I did go with my dad. So him and I, obviously, we just got two tickets. And we had the whole row to ourselves. All the other seats in the row and in other rows, they were completely zip tied shut. So people, and they were thick zip ties too. Like someone wouldn't be able to just cut that and, you know, pop a squat there. So in terms of distancing and stuff, they do have everyone spread out pretty well. Um, and, and they're just, you know, doing whatever they can. They do have people that go around with a little sign that shows you how to wear a mask and you have to keep a mask on unless you're eating or drinking. And they were very strict about that. I'll give them a lot of credit. They were going around and and they were telling people to put on masks if they weren't eating or drinking. And um, there was someone that even got kind of lectured uh, about how he was drinking incorrectly with his mask on. So they, they showed him the way that he had to do it. And I was just like, wow, they're, they're really going all out for us. <laughs> and all the nanny state people are, who are, who are listening right now are freaking out. They're like, Oh my God, I can't believe you're going to tell me how to drink my beverage. Yeah. I don't have, I will never cop to actually speaking directly to a Cubs fan. So for all you know, I got this through three or four different people, but uh, the experience I heard with, I don't even know what their park is. I don't care. But you know, an experience there were sitting behind like a group of eight guys kept taking the mask off and the ushers came back like six, seven times. Finally, they did get kicked out. But it seems, it sounds like at Camelback, there was none of that nonsense going on. And if somebody was going to try to flout or perhaps object and decide to have a political debate about telling me how to drink my water correctly, uh, that they would have perhaps been ushered out because it's just not worth the hassle. Yeah, I, I'm sure that's like what you were talking about has happened all over the place. Um, granted, you know, we are what, like 
six, seven, eight games deep into spring training. That just happened to be the first time I could go. So they, they've had games there. I'm sure it was probably, they, they were, they were probably a little more loose in the beginning or just trying to get a feel for how they can make it work and everything and figuring out what they need to keep an eye on. And it just seemed like by the time I was there this past Sunday that they kind of had everything down and, and people were just kind of hawking the aisles, you know, keeping an eye out for people. But, you know, it, I was people watching a little bit, obviously, you know, I'm there to watch baseball, not watch people as much as that would probably, well, how Sunday went, that probably would have been more entertaining to watch people. (laughs) We haven't even even talked about the game. That's for a good reason. (laughs) But um, it it seemed like most people there were cooperating. They're really, I didn't notice any big problems or anything like that. And um, obviously I know we briefly brought it up that fans are going to be allowed in Chicago and, you know, hopefully it goes the same there. And I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, you know, I'm just, I'm glad to be able to go to a baseball game again. And, you know, I'm going to do what I need to do so I can keep going. So hopefully, hopefully that's the case and not not too many problems arise and and we can just kind of start, you know, looking as this, looking at this as a thing of the past, not that it's ever going to completely go away, but you know. Let's let's take a quick second too and just interject because I know he reached out to me uh, personally to try to throw this on here and down the right rail in the fan post and it was briefly in our our top news but we're running so many stories these days I'm sure it's getting buried down the page now Grinder and Training uh, who I guess is either already out in Arizona or who was still planning on wanting to go to spring training I'm not sure what his his, his backstory is, but he was a guy who was, you know, obviously unable to buy tickets uh, because it is just, you know, if you just want to buy one for yourself, you can't do that. And so we did put a fan post up in case our people are out there who might, who maybe do even have tickets and might be, you know, willing to, uh, to try to help him get into the park. Uh, I don't think we've got any comments or any discussion there, but in case people are thinking of, of going or maybe do have an extra, we do have something in the, the fan post you can check out and maybe help them out and, and you can get in touch with me and I can sort of connect you guys. You don't have to put your personal information out there, but, you know, hopefully, uh, uh, you know, maybe he'll be able to hook up for, I think he had a particular block of three games he was interested in, in going to, and, and, you know, maybe somebody can, can help out there. I just want to interject that as we were talking about it. Now tell me this, because I'm picturing now uh, the 8,000 fans in, in Chicago and obviously with the spacing, I'm thinking, boy, what if I don't, you know, I, the price is going to be jacked to whatever degree. Let's say, let's say they're just, you know, 10% higher because, you know, of course, hey, listen, it's more exclusive, whatever. And you're having to pay ushers, you know, to, to not handle the, the normal crowd. Uh, but I'm thinking, geez, if I'm like number 2,000 buying or number 8,000 buying, am I going to be socially distanced like up in the corner of section, you know, five, whatever? How, and I know it's certainly not a direct overlay to, to Sox Park, but how was Camelback Ranch stretched? Were people pretty much in all seating sections with uh, some significant distancing or was it still sort of somewhat, you know, I guess maybe because it wasn't, necessary well no maybe it was a, a pretty well attending game but either way how did that how did that look and did you see people sort of off in a corner like okay well they need to be there because they're distance but oh man they sort of got a raw deal with their seats yeah so camelback ranch is, is like 95 percent just all like a 100 level right. and i want to say there it goes up to if i had to guess 32 rows um so they had everyone spaced out pretty well Uh, There really wasn't, you know, you got some people down, you know, right and left field line in the corners, um, whatever, where, where they, they're kind of far off, but honestly, there really aren't too many bad seats in the house. So fortunately for them, like they, they still are pretty close to the action and they can see everything from there. Um, 
there is a lawn and they actually have specific boxes yeah. for people on the lawn too. Yeah. So uh, there was the lawn wasn't too packed when I was there. They said the game was sold out. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I, I really didn't keep track of, you know, how many people were allowed and trying to figure out, Oh yeah, it looks like that's that many's here, but um, they, they're, they're doing a good job and doing whatever they can do to, you know, kind of keep everyone away from each other. Um, I, I want to say for me, there wasn't even anyone sitting like two or three rows in front of Mm -hmm. me. So I was in terms of like, obviously having a whole row to just me and my dad, we were also kind of, you know, away from people all around us too. So um, they're fortunate where they, they can space people out pretty well and, and it's not too much of an issue. And you were just phantom taking photos cause you couldn't bring your camera in. So you're just like, Oh man, that would have been great. It was like doing your own spring training of like what you could have shot. <laughs> All mental photos. I'm running an <laughs> album in my head of spring training. What could have been, <laughs> what was the, what was the, um, cause we've all been to Sox park when, you know, maybe it's early in the season or late in the season where not everything is open. Uh, the fact that this was a sold out game or whatever, was it a matter of a number of bathrooms, you know, maybe not even being accessible or concessions not being acceptable, accessible, or did you notice pretty much everything being open despite the fact that there were going to be fewer fans in the park? Um, I was going to say, like, I wasn't going around being like, oh, that's usually open, that's usually open. But <laughs> it it did seem like everything was open. But it just, like, wasn't something I was necessarily paying attention to. But even, like, the the um, like the gift shops and stuff, and they got a couple of them um, throughout – Camelback Ranch, every single one of those was open. I'm like pretty sure every bathroom was open. So it seemed like it was all functioning normally and how it does in normal times, but just obviously with, you know, a decent amount of people that aren't able to be there now because of the restrictions. But it seems like they're doing what they can. The, the gift shop where the highest ticket items are available for purchase was open. Sean, yeah. I'm sort of yeah. shocked. Isn't White that Sox, crazy? White Sox, I kid. Hi, kid. We love you guys. Hi, kid. Uh, all right. Uh, you know, one thing to add, and, and we did do a little bit of coverage of it, you know, today when the news came out that uh, Chicago would be attended as early as uh, uh, April 8th, opening day, uh, is no tailgating. So don't bring your tailgate gear and then put it down and decide to uh, go in and shoot your, you know, legit photos these coming weekends because I'm assuming no tailgating in Arizona as well, but Unfortunately, oftentimes what's more important for some fans, the tailgate experience, especially after that recent weird gambling outfit, did that strange poll that somehow had the White Sox fans being the booziest of all fans in the major leagues, which I'm still sort of puzzled to figure out. But I think it's mostly because a gambling outlet did the probably voluntary survey and folks who decide to answer it really like to drink it's been a rough couple of years too so well, that's true. <laughs> very true but i'm not really sure of the science behind that i was going to run a story and i thought well hold on is this i mean i'm not exactly looking for like the cleveland clinic here but maybe not you know jojo's offshore gambling should be my legitimate source for a story but obviously we're getting silly at this point uh sean williams uh covering the white Sox shooting shots for us uh, three games in the spring training that's gonna be terrific hopefully all that works out well and we're looking forward to seeing stuff early on and i have to admit you know uh after sunday i was like hey where, where's my usual dropbox of photos what go- i'm a little ticked what's going on he told me he's going to the game nothing okay okay if you weren't allowed to have a cam- i wasn't expecting sketches but if you weren't allowed to have a camera i guess i shouldn't have a dropbox so okay fair i, I thought about maybe using time. my phone but 
you know, when you're someone that has a camera that like, you know, like yeah, you're compromising the craft. Pictures. Sure. I, I would have just looked at the pictures on my phone and been like, I, I don't even want to use this. So. Come on. <laughs> we, we have word processing. You think I use one of these pencils anymore? <laughs> Come on. Pencils are for hobos. Yeah. Use the technology <laughs> that you have. Uh, so uh, obviously we're going to be running shots from you throughout spring training. Uh, once we get those and probably into the regular season, because obviously the guys are mostly shooting, uh, which is sort of a nice benefit of this weird spring training is there's only so many guys with three digit numbers on, on their backs that can play in these games these days. Mm-hmm. So pretty much everybody you're going to see is either legit major leaguer, uh, particularly those late games you're going to be covering uh, or, or guys that are, you know, are going to be active in Schaumburg and that, you know, guys who are going to be in the mix. So we're going to be seeing stuff. They're going to be shooting even just from these three games all year. And that's going to be uh, terrific for us to be able to run. So we look forward to that. And uh I don't know. We're going to have to do this again. Maybe we are going to have to go back to the uh, Camelback Confidential from the Southside Hit Pen days. Maybe we'll have to uh, visit here on a on a weekly or so basis uh, as long as we've got you, and especially knowing that you are definitely going to be there pretty much on a, on a weekly basis. So let's plan on doing that so we can have some more chats about how uh, Camelback is going. And hopefully the team – I mean, who cares about spring wins? But I would rather have spring wins than spring losses. Sean, I mean, are you a weirdo who thinks we should have spring losses and not spring wins? Uh, you know, I'm a li- I was a little bit bitter when they were losing a couple games <laughs> there to start the year, but they lost so many to where it's like, you know, it's just, it is what it is at this point. They either, they either lose or they tie. There's, there's wins are hard to come by. Every time they lose, they were winning and the, the team just walked off the field and said, Oh, no, we're stopping the inning. I mean, come on, let us face. We are playing a little bit of Mickey Mouse pinball baseball. And I don't think that's the reason why the Sox have one win so far, but it has contributed to it because, Hey, some big innings. There basically is no big inning. It's going to be weird on opening day when the Sox put up like a 10 spot in the, uh, I don't know, on the top of the first, because we will not have lived a 10 spot in any given inning for like a month and a half of baseball. So uh, we'll look forward to it. Unfortunately, we have to wait until opening day for that, but you know, we'll get there. It's coming. I don't think everybody's going to forget how to hit and the, the hitting numbers are generally even solid so far. So, you know, Fingers crossed, no injuries, and everybody remembers how to be offensive players in the right way. So, Sean, we will definitely uh, check in with you and maybe as soon as a week from now, but uh, thanks for finally getting back and hopping on and making the Southside Sox podcast debut. It's about time. Yeah, thank you for having me. It feels good to make my debut and also sort of be back on a podcast with you. Uh, but I'm looking forward to doing this again, and, and uh, it'll, be, it'll be fun. Check out Sean's piece on uh, Zach Collins, the catching situation with the White Sox. That's running here today. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Keep on listening. Please keep on reading. And, hey, listen, again, if you're one of the, the very lucky badge-wearing half dozen, keep on watching. But uh, we'll be back with another Southside Talks podcast real soon, probably later on in the week, and we're going to just keep running them out at you, including this guy from Phoenix talking Camelback with us probably real soon, sooner than later. But uh, thanks again, Sean, and uh, thanks for everybody listening, reading, and watching.